0: association with the Whale yutani Bulletin and SciFi.com, this is Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. We are the only exclusively alien podcast of its kind, with your hosts, J.M. Prater and Peter Hay. Independently targeting particle beam phalanx. Fry half a city with this puppy. We got Tactical Smart Missiles, Base Plasma Pulse Rifles, RPGs, we got Sonic Electronic Ball Breakers! We got Nukes, we got Knives, Sharp Sticks... Knock it off, Hudson! Alright, gear up!
1: Was there an alien on board? Yes. You still
0: don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and this is Pete.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: And uh, so this is episode 30. Actually, this is episode 34, um, because we already have an episode and we're going to post it soon. But, anyways, when you guys hear this, this will be episode 34. Um, so yeah, uh, there's not a ton to discuss. It's all is quiet in the Covenants, like the Covenant, is Like we haven't seen any images or any clips or anything. Things were coming steady for a while, but the official Alien page has been all about aliens and they're releasing kind of quick little videos, character videos about Ripley, about um, Newt, about Hicks, about Vasquez, um, I think about Burke too. Maybe not Burke, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so it's been fairly quiet.
1: Which is kind of surprising because it just it just feels like you know they're they'd be doing more about the 30th anniversary of Aliens instead of just the, you know the gif here and there or like oh put a face hugger on your face using this app <laughs> yeah that was really lame uh, yeah yeah
0: um but yeah uh I mean so there's not a lot to talk about um. Aside from, I think we mentioned before on the podcast that we haven't published yet that episode uh, about it being a a full on horror film, which which will be great. But there's some other news coming out uh, about uh, Blade Runner directed by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, I'm probably botching that too. <laughs> um, he's we'll just, just released.
1: We'll just call him Denny V. Has that?
0: Yes. Um, and he's released or is releasing a. Sci-fi film called Arrival starring Amy Adams about uh, an alien invasion, which sounds kind of like, yeah, we've seen this before. There is a trailer out. The trailer looks really interesting, very different. Um, I'm really excited about that. What do you think?
1: It's one of my most anticipated films of the year. Oh, yeah. And I think it'll kind of be similar to The Martian in that it's a tale of good things to come. You know, whereas, uh, you know, The Martian... Could be seen as oh well maybe Ridley's got his shit together now, you know you could just use that same kind of logic towards uh, Blade Runner with Arrival. I'm yeah I'm, yeah I'm excited to see it.
0: Me too me too I mean again I've said this a few times the director Denis Villeneuve he has not made a bad film um, his films are incredible uh, I don't I don't know if you've seen Enemy Peter or if you've seen uh, Prisoners or if you've seen Sicario. But you need to watch those films. I mean Sicario really is just it's a lesson in ambience, in, in space, in atmosphere, and you just feel the sense of dread and it's it's amazing. I, I was uh, I was glued to my seat. I was it was I was biting my nails. I mean, not because it was like what's gonna happen, but I don't know, there's just there's there's this idea of dread that something's coming. And it's really good. It's really, really good. Mm.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I have not seen any of his films yet. I saw a couple clips of Sicario, and I heard about your glowing review of Prisoners, which had Jake Gyllenhaal in it, right?
0: Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Jackman, um, several people. In fact, I might watch Prisoners again tonight. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, Peter, actually, yeah, there's a sequence in Prisoners. Oh my God, that's fucking frightening. Scary. I mean, scary shit because they're searching for something, or someone's searching for something. They have an idea. I can't give anything away, but it's, I mean, what they discover, the way they discover this, what they do, is akin to the space jockey discovery. And this is in Prisoners, no doubt. So this is not a science fiction. Um, you got to see it. Um, talk about the anatomy of a scene. Uh, it's just fantastic. Anyways, Peter, watched one of those films right away.
1: I feel like every podcast, it's, Peter, you need to watch this. Watch this, uh, you millennial shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyway, so um, Dennis, the director, has been talking about Blade Runner quite a bit. I don't know if you've read the interviews. Have you?
1: I have not had the chance to read those yet. But I, I am hearing that there's a lot of good news coming out of the production. There is. Um, uh, I, I mean, there's there's been a there's been a couple problems um, which we can address later. Um, but yeah, I, no, actually, I have not I have not read anything.
0: Yeah, you got to read it. It's interesting, and it's not like it's not like earth shattering. Oh wow, this is really like oh my god, I can't wait. But it's he talks about uh, he makes some points saying you know I, I it's hard for me to. Realize that I'm making a Blade Runner film, and I'm watching these the dailies of the footage, and it's not Ridley Scott's film, and that's horrifying to me. And he doesn't say it's horrifying to me like, oh, the footage is horrifying, but it's surreal to him that he's making a Blade Runner film, but it's not Ridley Scott. Like, and I understand that that's kind of a bit of an existential crisis he's having, um, where he's kind of, and he says, you know, he's making it very much his own, and it's putting his own stamp on it. Um, so I, I
1: I mean, that's, that's what any great director can do with something that's already been established. I mean, you look at John Carpenter and what he did for the thing from another world, which was total B movie garbage. Oh, well well, not garbage, but not great. And then he turned it into something entirely his own, you know, and then you have JJ Abrams who took star Wars, which has been established for, you know, 40 years now. And he took his own spin on it. And he made another great Star Wars movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Although I would say Carpenter was in a very different place than J.J. J. Abrams when he was when he made Star Wars. And, you know, yeah, I mean, John Carpenter made the thing, and it was, it was a B story, and he made it into a masterpiece of a film. Um, masterpiece. Um, horrifying, gross, disgusting, amazing. Um, and just the silence of it, the, the, the space that he gives... Um the space that he gives and quietness that he gives the, the, the story of the thing to just kind of tell itself was really amazing and unprecedented. And a lot of that doesn't happen these days.
1: No, it it really doesn't, to be honest with you. I mean, you look at movies today and a lot of it's just on how they can make it look good or yep. or how they can photograph the actors well. It it doesn't really focus on how they're Showing how these characters connect or how the story bonds together. Like I saw Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, which my I God. I really regret. <laughs> Me I, too. I went in with no expectations and I left like, what the hell?
0: Yeah, for sure. I only, was... I only
1: saw it for Jeff Goldblum because he's a beautiful man. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, it
0: was Jeff Goldblum. He's awesome. But I agree. Uh, the first uh, Independence Day, it was enjoyable. You know, it was like whatever. It wasn't I like. It was good. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like gripping deep sci fi like Blade Runner or Alien or anything, but it was good. It was, you know, it was fun. It was a fun sci fi. Whereas this was just like stupidity. Stupidity. Utter stupidity. Um, and, I, you know, it goes back to. I know we're, here we are uh, going off, but we'll go back to Blade Runner eventually. Um, but I. It, Resurgence is case in point of me what I've been talking about um, in terms of directors and writers writing films for actors that are for audiences they think are stupid um they well just give them anything like, yeah well let's let's do this they'll they'll come in droves and they and it's insulting it's really these films are insulting to it me it
1: really is it really is cuz they just studios keep pumping out the same crap every know three to five years it's it's every reboots are getting rebooted now yeah and the, the only focus is on the visual aspect yeah there's almost no attention put into the stories of these films yeah so which is which is why i can understand everybody's concerned about you know alien covenant alien five blade runner two that kind of thing everybody's yeah. concerned because they don't want it to just look good and have a shit story like prometheus yeah.
0: And that's, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, films have no problem looking good. In fact, most films look awesome. Um, it's their storytelling. Um, that's the problem. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's my concern. In fact, uh, I believe it was Den of Geek. They just released a, uh, or they just published a couple days ago, um, a piece about, uh, something that we've been talking about a while, uh, just in terms of the loss of mystery in film. um, and I, I, it's making me think about writing something else, um, kind of like the last word on Prometheus, but really um, talking about films that don't have mystery anymore, films that tell you everything. That there is no mystery. And most of that mystery is dispelled in trailers, uh, or trailers tell you every kind of beginning, middle, and end of a film, uh, of what, what you're about to see. Um, and really, uh, kind of like the 80s, early 90s was kind of the end of, of course, there are great films, like. That come out like Under the Skin, starring Scarlett, starring Johansen, Johansson. Um, other films like Enemy, which kind of has a sci-fi bent um, bent to it. Um, but really, uh, it is the lack of mystery that's killing these films, and that's you know, audiences are like, whatever, that was stupid. Um,
1: but people still yeah. go to these movies because they think they look good. There's there's yeah. no physical, tangible story element to these films that are bringing people to the box office. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I see a a trailer for a film, I'm not really looking so much for the visual aesthetic of it. I'm looking into, is this story going to challenge my way of thought? Is this story going to fulfill me? That kind of thing. Like, I think the last film I went into that blew me away entirely at the theaters was Ex Machina.
0: Yes, amazing.
1: I had heard hardly anything about it. I didn't see any trailers. And then one day it just popped up on Facebook that it was going to be playing near me. Um, cause it did get a limited release. It was only yeah. in so many theaters. So, you know, I drove like 45 minutes to go see it and I just walked out like, Oh my God, this changed my life. Yeah.
0: I hear you. Um, it's interesting that you bring that film up because I don't, uh i don't uh i i don't know i still don't know what i think about it now i think it's an amazing it's an amazing film it's well made well acted everything about it is pitch perfect i don't know what i think about it philosophically i don't really know what the intent of the film was
1: i don't um, either because it comes from a lot of different strange angles and yeah. it's funny that you mention that because there's a lot of philosophy that ties into the sci-fi we discussed like alien and blade runner but I mean, yeah. that's a can of worms we can save for later on in the discussion but I mean, it just it just felt like X Mock, you know, was a lot of like the God complex thing going on. And, yes. And it made you feel uncomfortable the whole time because the lack of respect for creation was sickening and it just makes you feel for uh feel for the the guy who won the lottery. Um Dom Hall Gleason's character, I can't think of his name. The redhead guy. Not Oscar yeah. Isaac. It was like yeah, Nathan I don't or his
0: I don't remember his character's name either. And I had a issue. I didn't have issue. I just, of course, this guy. I mean, the, the film's been out for a while, so we can discuss it. I mean, I mean, Oscar, 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 I, you know, a genius, billionaire, um, inventor who makes essentially female droids, um, and he made several of them, and it turned into this kind of, even though they're robots, this the kind of this weird like misogyny. Um, where they all kind of pleased him sexually. Um, it was, I just, I don't know what I think about that film. I really don't, it disturbed me, but not in a way like, oh, this is fucked up because parts of it were, but I just don't know what the message of the film was. I don't, it didn't make me, I'm still pondering, whereas with Blade Runner, although Blade Runner has been out for a long, long time, but Blade Runner, um, Things I ponder from Blade Runner, I can kind of resolve in some ways, like what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to want to live longer? We all want to live longer, whether we are human or droid. Um, these questions, these larger questions that we ask, those philosophical kind of ponderings of Blade Runner, I can resolve in some way. I can um, take further. Ex Machina, I don't
1: it is what it no is. Outer-
0: yeah, I don't know how to resolve that. I don't even the questions, I, I don't know where I don't know what the philosophical questions were. I don't know what it was telling me. And that's an interesting. Maybe we can get into maybe we'll do an episode on droids, uh, I think which would we be great,
1: I think we should.
0: Um, and we can talk about that. But yeah, so but it's a great film, and I recommend that everyone see it um, for sure. Um, Drive is enough. Um, it's not sci fi, but it's very uh, there are a lot of philosophical. Um, there's a lot of sci-fi elements to Drive, actually, I think. Um, there,
1: I, I, I mean, some- Nicholas Wending rafen the director, I finally found <laughs> out how to pronounce his name. Um, he he builds Drive as being a modern-day fairy tale, because you think of it, Ryan Gosling is the white knight that saves the princess. He's the frog that carries the scorpion on his back, literally. You know, his jacket has the scorpion on it. There's there, You know, there's yeah. a lot of allegories and... Yeah. there's a lot of things like that but <clears throat> you're right in that it definitely does have a lot of sci-fi elements um in that what am i trying to say here i just i just feel like it kind of does away with some of the tropes we know from action films and instead it just yes. sets its own precedent
0: it reinvents things actually in a way that's different and unique and atmospheric it has a little certainly that A feel to it which is kind of arresting but it, it remains its own thing at the same time
1: as i mean as you and everybody listening knows very well it's my favorite movie of all time you know i mean i have the jacket hanging up on my wall um to see that level of performance come from gosling and That sort of characterization and that sort of plot all come together. It's just a dream come true. And when you have somebody like him who has that kind of like brooding evil aura to him or like that young Harrison Ford, Marlon Brando vibe, it just really, I can't think of anybody better to star in a Blade Runner film besides Harrison Ford himself.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, he has that, that brooding, yeah, amazing quality about him. Um, and he has, you can sense, what I love about Gosling is he has the ability to be quiet and be silent and let his body language and his face do the acting as opposed to, I mean, of course, there's there's scripts and everything. Um, but even uh, Gosling's film that he directed, oh my God, I always forget the name. It was a
1: name. Tunnel of Love or something like that? No, it wasn't
0: called that. It wasn't called that. Um, it was set in Detroit. Oh, called like it was about an underwater, like it had a sci fi feel to it a little bit, but it's called like like,
1: neo noir thing. Yeah,
0: it was an amazing, amazing film. Very atmospheric. Uh, A lot of people didn't get it. I did. I completely got it. I thought it was awesome. Did you see it?
1: Uh, I did not. I'm trying to find out what it's called. Yeah. Uh. Because I thought his performance in Only God Forgives was great. I have not seen that. Uh, Same director as Drive. Um, He was also in The Place Beyond the Pines, which was incredible. Lost River. Lost River. Mm. Director, writer, and producer on that one. Fantasy neo-noir. Hmm. I, I mean, it's, I, it's, I haven't seen it, but I'll take your word for it's it. It's worth it.
0: Oh, it's, it's really, really. It, if, I mean, obviously, if, if Drive is your favorite film, you can tell that Drive um, really impressed upon him. It made an impression on him, um, and it, it, and it uh, inspired him because Lost River has a Drive feel to it, um, really atmospheric and, and, and big in scope. Totally, totally worth watching. Um, and the, oh, kind of the antagonist of the film is Matt. What's his last name? He played Doctor Who. Um, Matt Smith, that's his name. Mm. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's really, really good. And I, I recommend everyone listening to check it out as well. It's very, very good. Um, but we're just talking about, yeah, we're kind of talking about a lot of different things, which is fine. Um, we're not like we said, we don't really have a lot of uh, Covenant news. Um, to pivot back to Blade Runner, um, we know, or it has been announced, that a man named Johan Johansson uh, is, will be scoring the Blade Runner film, the Blade Runner sequel film. Um, this man has worked with the director, Denis Villeneuve, um, several times, I think, for most of his films. Uh, he scored Sicario, he scored Prisoners, very dark, and his, his scores are very dark and ambient and... Uh, melodic, and you just feel the atmosphere. Um, And, hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for this Blade Runner film being something different, not being a a remake of the first film, you know?
1: Well, another thing that Blade Runner 2 is going to run into is an identity crisis, and I feel like that's just going to be the biggest obstacle that Dennis has to overcome, because he's not Ridley Scott, Harrison Ford's not, like, 35 anymore, you know, that kind of thing. How can he make this his own product without disrespecting the original source material, without disrespecting um, Philip K. Dick, you know, the guy who wrote the book?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. For the good questions. And also I think the Blade Runner fandom is is an interesting one because – Like unlike other fandoms where like Alien, like what's the next Alien film going to be like or there's so many kind of uh, expanded universe stories in Alien or Terminator or many other films that have a big – or Star Wars or, you know. So Blade Runner has never – Blade Runner fandom has always been smaller and it hasn't been people um, begging to like, oh, the next Blade Runner or what about this story? It's very like no – this film is amazing. This film is self contained, and fans have been content with that. So,
1: the, I mean, to be honest, it doesn't need anything else. It's perfectly no, it fine how it is. You, you Agreed. leave Blade I Runner don't... alone, and it does its thing. But at the same time, I so want to see Blade Runner 2. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I need yeah. to see it yesterday. <laughs> 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 Give it to me. Oh, <laughs> I might be,
0: maybe I'll, you know, I think, actually, I've been thinking about. Probably when Covenant comes out, flying to Florida, and we'll see it together.
1: Hey, that sounds good.
0: I think it would be great. And then we can we can sit in the theater uh, and record our podcast, our discussion, our first impressions, and then do another one, uh, another podcast later. But anyways, I'm talking about next year. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see the Blade Runner sequel yesterday. I want to see Alien Covenant yesterday. Um, it's going to be a great year next year for film. Uh, oh, there's a lot coming seriously. out. Seriously. <laughs> Wonder Woman Justice League, Alien Star Wars, Blade Runner, Stranger Things Season two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that brings up a good point. Stranger things. if you wanna, if you want to think about how to make something incredibly authentic to the 1980s and everything that made the 80's great, just go watch Stranger things. Yeah, you know absolutely. So many people can take a page from the book that they're writing on you know storytelling with uh, stranger things.
0: Yeah, and Stranger Things is is the amazing success of a film of a show that finds its inspiration from the '80s, but it manages to tell its own story well, while, while giving homage to stories told before it, but being as good or better than some of those stories. Uh, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing accomplishment by the Duff Brothers, the people who are behind the film, the show. Um, I mean, I, I'm probably gonna watch it again. It'll be round three for me. It's just <laughs> such a great show. Um, but yeah, it's. I, a cool I honestly
1: th- can't think uh, of Netflix doing anything better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they certainly have. They have different shows. I haven't enjoyed a show this much in a long time. I mean, I used to love True Blood. I don't know if you ever saw any of that, but uh, the first three, three, three and a half seasons were amazing, and there was so much fun. It was an event show. Um. But uh, yeah, uh, I think Stranger Things, it, like I said, it's a cultural phenomenon. What's happening? Just the the groups that are popping up over it, just the postings and the it's amazing. It's 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 uh, I haven't seen anything like this in fandom with something that's so new that's taken off. It's just really touched people. Actually, there, and also that brings a good point. Uh, we shared a photo from Stranger Things, a still from the show, and after. Um, the policeman's character and Winona Ryder's character, Joyce, they go into the Upside Down, and they're kind of – they're around where the creature is, I guess, That's hive or it's, its nest, and they find some type of egg. And the light uh, – and the policeman shines a light into the egg, and it's a direct homage to Alien. It's
1: pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I caught that. There – it's – it's an eighties fanboy's like wet dream, pretty much, there's, okay. there's so many references it's the best way to describe it is every director of every eighties movie teams up and makes an eight and a half hour long movie, yep, yeah. and just says, Here you go,
0: yep, yeah. the best of the best too, not just like wink, wink, it's the eighties, look, uh, you know. It's like no this is legit.
1: Yeah, it's like you put John Carpenter, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Ridley Scott, you put everybody together and said, "Make this movie. I don't care how you're going to make all your stories work and fit it together." Yeah. And it's like they just waited 30 years to do it. But I I mean we're getting off on a tangent here, but it, it's it's all it's all in, in good measure because Stranger Things really could teach some of the upcoming productions a lot.
0: Yeah. And not it, to be honest with you, not just teach the upcoming, upcoming filmmakers. It can teach Steven Spielberg, JJ Abrams, all the, I mean, JJ Abrams actually, and Steven Spielberg made super eight. Um, and I'm going to swing this back around to alien covenant. I'm going to tie all together. Um, but Steven Spielberg and JJ Abrams, Made a film called Super Eight. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, it's Abrams. one of my
1: favorites.
0: Yeah, I love it. I do too. I love it. I, 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 there's a couple things I think that are, need some help, but I love Super Eight. I just it really brings again it brings me back to what it felt like to grow up in the 80s. Um, but in some ways, it missed the mark, and I felt like um, the Duff Brothers school both of them, both Spielberg and um, J. Abrams, like look hey, I'm doing something similar, but they made it... I mean, certainly they had more time. They had eight hours. They didn't have two hours. It's harder to make more of a self-contained show or a self-contained film in two hours, beginning, middle, and end, and make it satisfying. That's a very, very, very tough thing to do. Mm. Um, I mean, very tough. As someone who has made a documentary and who has made other films, it is very tough to make a good film that satisfies enough people to be successful. Anyways, um, but the Duff Brothers got it right. They got it pitch perfect. I mean, uh, the show is flawless right now. We'll see what season two goes. Season two is the big is the litmus test um, to see if their ideas are still good, they're still succinct, and we still feel the same way we feel uh, when we watch the first season. Um, swinging this back around to Alien Covenant and perhaps even Neil Blomkamp's Alien, um, it matters that characters are written well. It matters that people can relate, the cultural phenomenon happening with Stranger Things isn't just because oh cool neat it's the eighties. No, people are relating to these characters, these kids. They 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 feel emotionally invested in them. Uh, they feel like they're a part of them. They feel like that's the part of their family. And I feel that way about, you know, Ash Lambert, Ripley, Dallas Kane, uh, Brett. I feel about
1: even in a more accessible way, like you know the. the... The main characters of the original Star Wars trilogy, you know, they they feel yes. like my family. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just something we've grown so used to. In Stranger Things, that's a big family. You yeah, know? Uh, they're believable, real characters. It's like you're you're living inside this world that they live in in Indiana in
0: 1983. Yeah, totes totes. Um, and uh it so it matters if people can relate to your characters. It matters um, that people don't feel like characters are dumb. They don't feel like they're smarter than those characters. People want to root for characters. They want to be like, we want you to live or whatever's happening. you know. And that's really the drum roll for me in terms of Alien Covenant, rooting for these characters, how well they're going to be written, how realistic they're going to be. That's my big, uh, I'm actually more concerned about Alien Covenant being good than I am about um, Blade Runner 2 being good, to be honest with you.
1: I I feel like uh, while they both have a lot of pressure put on the productions, I think Ridley has bigger um, shoes to fill. He's got to fill yeah. his own shoes again. Because he's got to go back to 1979. You know? He, can, uh, yeah. he can't go back yeah. to 2012.
0: Yeah, he has to make a retro film. Really. that's I mean, that's the without it being a 70s film, it's just got to be retro in the in the, in the world that, uh, I mean, because even in, in, in Alien, um, it didn't feel, it doesn't feel, it feels timeless. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is the 70s. You don't get that feeling. Everybody, the way people are dressed is very industrial. It's very basic. Um, it could be any time. Um, and that's what Rip Ridley Scott has to tap into, that every man kind of, and that's going to be hard for a multimillionaire to kind of, teach a story or tell us a story that we all can relate to
1: especially when it comes to a crew of um, space colonists and that kind of thing because the covenant is a colony ship yeah for sure Um, I'm already getting the vibe with some of the pre-production stuff and the promotional material that we're gonna get a much closer film to alien than Prometheus this time around yeah I mean, just the interviews with Danny McBride, you can, you can already tell he's going to be like a Dallas or a Parker kind of character, not like Holloway. Like, what the fuck are you even doing in this movie? You have no purpose. What are you doing? And You know, it's not like one of those characters. So yep. you, you can tell their role will be important. And then at the end of the day, he's probably just going to be, you know, like an average guy in the, in the story.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I have. a. Um. Yeah, it, it, it's really going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I think we are going to have a, it's, it's going to be of a re- we've discussed this before. It's going to be a little bit of a reset. They're really going to go back to the basics of character building um, and everything, the sets, everything like the settings, whatever they discover, the aliens, because we know they're going to be in there. Um, it all has to be secondary to the story And to the characters uh, It doesn't matter just, just Essentially it's like the AVP films um,
1: they, What? I didn't know they made those <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, The AVP films um, Were great looking films That wasn't the problem The problem was that what, the, Especially in AVP Requiem We don't give a shit about the people they were killing We don't care about them Because they, it wasn't well written And um, And unfortunately, in some ways, Prometheus is on par with the AVP Requiem in in terms of characters and believability. I mean, the characters were shit, um, except for David.
1: David Um, is the best part about Prometheus, hands down.
0: Oh, yeah. And actually, I like Vickers a lot, too. And of course, I love the sets. I love the engineers. Uh, In fact, actually, there's one sequence in Prometheus that uh, I really thought was really good um, and really really well executed it's when the engineer goes back to that uh that little pod Vickers pod and he goes after shaw and then he's eventually attacked by the big giant whatever and impregnated um but i love that scene where it's looking for it's it's fast it happens fast but it's quiet it's silent um and it's it's pretty terrifying i wish it would have gone on a little bit longer um, but it was a good scene. It was a good scene of just kind of terror, and you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know really what he wants with her. If he's just coming to kill her, or what. Um, but yeah, uh, that's really one of the only sequences in the film that I felt like, wow, this is this is this is gripping. This is gripping stuff. Other than that, I just and someone else I think described in Prometheus, it just didn't feel like anything. We didn't really know what was going to happen. Anyways, this isn't really a show about Prometheus. We've talked about this Prometheus quite a bit. But at the same time, our friend, our good friend, Bill Robbie, uh, had said, you know, really, Prometheus is the last film in the series, in this saga. So it's going to be the film that we discuss the most.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, at what cost, for better or for worse? Um, Yeah. I like Prometheus. And I know that you do, too, but I have my serious issues with it. And every time we bring up Prometheus, I know the conversation swings around that way. But in order for Alien Covenant to be a true success, it needs to first have a great story with great writing and characters. It's got to look and feel like an alien film. And it needs to distance itself away from Prometheus. The further away yes. from Prometheus it can get, the better.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I, like you said, I have confidence. I really do. Um, it's a hard thing to do. I, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate this, this idea that, or this fact that making a film a good film is fucking difficult. It really is. It's not an easy thing, especially when it's controlled by studios and those studios have uh, their own desires. They want to make as much money possible. These days, studios want a PG-13 rating, so the more people can come and see it, so they'll make more money. So that means they are in control of what what happens in the script, how bloody is it, how gory is it, how many swear words, um, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of studio control in films, so it's difficult for kind of an auteur to come in and... and, uh, And tell a really, really good story. And, you know, I think also in terms of, I don't know where Ridley Scott is these days. If he just sees a script and goes, oh, okay, I'd like to make that. Uh, I don't know how passionate he is, I mean, about film. And it sounds kind of funny because he continues to make films. Um, But really, I don't know if he has a passion project. Maybe he's told the stories uh, that he's wanted to tell. But it's going to be interesting with Covenant that it's the film that he has to get right, so it becomes his passion. Like, no, I'm taking this back. I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to turn into the director who made Alien. I'm going to turn into the director who made Blade Runner. Um, and hopefully, out of that struggle, because it's a good place for him to be, we'll get a
1: masterpiece. I certainly hope so. I mean, I have, I have full confidence in the guy. I mean, you just look at his body of work, and you know he's capable of making a great film. But, I mean, he's had some missteps. I think any successful artist has them, whether they're big or small. Oh, for sure. But I think a lot of it has to do with what you were saying, his passion. I mean, if this if this dude's off his rocker, like he lost his muse, then, I mean, we're doomed. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll say, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, and maybe it's just because, maybe he stepped aside from Blade Runner uh, because of scheduling. But... Blade Runner is his child. He made that film. I mean, it, a lot of... Even though there was a lot that went into it, there was a lot of collaboration from a lot of artists, a lot of other people. Uh, it's the reason the mantle. That happened. Yes. And the mantle rested on him. So for him to sit to... He's the one who went and found another story. He's the one who went to Hampton Banter and David Peoples. I mean, he really drew out, hopefully, you know, from what everyone's saying, an incredible story. Um so for him to come to this point where he's like, you know what, I'm going to let someone else direct. Um, that's, that's a that's pretty, a big that's a big deal. It is a big deal, and it's good of him. You know, it it shows humility on his part. It shows that you know he realizes that hey, you know, I can't do everything. Um, obviously, uh, he was still shooting Covenant when, um sets were being built in Budapest for the Blade Runner. So he couldn't do do both of those things at the same time. Now, it'd be interesting to see where he is, if he's on set on the Blade Runner set right now. I bet he is as a producer. Uh, I mean, it's a big... It's I don't know what the budget is for this Blade Runner film, but it's a big... It's a gamble, you know? It really is.
1: I mean, worst case scenario, we get this great-looking film from a great director with a great cast, great score, but the story sucks. So we could have another Prometheus effect, even though the score in on that one was forgettable. I don't even know who did yeah. it. Yeah. Um, or best case scenario, we get a movie that entirely distances itself from the original that it's a sequel to. But at the same time, it pays enough tribute and it hits the right notes with the fans. And it just doesn't necessarily use the nostalgia goggles to carry it. But it has enough of the retro feel that it gets people going. you know. And, and I hope to meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah.
0: It needs to pull Stranger Things. It needs to be its own thing. Um, it needs to feel familiar but be different. Um, it needs to feel important. The story has to be worth telling. Um, we have to have a reason to watch it. Um, and that's a big... And that's, again, I think it's a good place for those filmmakers to be. They have to fight for this story. They have to fight and give us a reason why this story matters, why we're telling another story, um, why it's important. Um, I have this sneaking suspicion that, um, what's his name? Gosling is going to be dispatched to, um, what's the term they use when they're going to retire and retire? Gosling is going to have to retire. Deckard.
1: I uh, have I have my own interesting spin on it. I'm Oh yeah. I'm getting the feeling that because you know Deckard had a family and kids. Where? He, he had a wife and kid. I don't know if it well, was a, not in the film movie. he did. Well, no, not in the film because they left him, but did the, he, did I, where is that articulated? That's the first time I've ever heard that. I might just be speaking out of my ass here, but there is a scene in the theatrical cut where he's like, cold fish. That's what my wife called me. Really? Yeah, he's divorced.
0: Huh. I have to watch that again. As many times as I've seen that film, as a big a fan as I am. And hey, I discover things new all the time, so it's certainly possible. I'll have to, we'll have to post that in the and yutani Bulletin and see what people think. Or, or see get some... Get some feedback on that, but that's interesting. Uh, that I would mean be I, I have,
1: I have no doubt somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I just have this Mandela effect that I remember. Uh, I remember him saying he had a wife and kids at one point in time in the film. He even has a picture of it, a Polaroid, in his room.
0: Interesting. Which, also, then assumes that he's a not a. Is he a replicant or is he human? Can replicants father children? And if they can, what? how's that sperm made? You know, there's a lot of questions there. So that almost proves that he's human, but it's interesting. That's a big question we'll have. Uh, I mean, that's the, that's probably the only lingering question. Not that it needed to be answered and hopefully maybe they don't even answer it in this new Blade Runner film, but is Deckard a a replicant or is he human? I
1: suppose we will find out. And I think another big question is, um, is Ryan Gosling's character going to be a replicant or not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, that would oh. be
1: an interesting parallel between the original and the sequel. I mean, the whole time you're you're questioning, like, is he a replicant or is he not? And then there's some scenes that people say are definitive proof. I mean, it, it's kind of like an Alien 3 with the whole Bishop 2 thing. Like, is he, is he an android or is he not? It's it's more fun. I mean, I change my answers every week. Like, no, he's not. Yes, he is. I yeah. Yeah honestly it's like asking me well oh, do you like alien or alien 3 better you know and it's just like ah oh, it just depends on how the fuck i feel man you know yeah yeah um and you know what'll be interesting too
0: is kind of the larger scope with the death of tyrell in in blade runner uh who took over his company uh where nexus the nexus line continued to i'm sure they were continue continuing to be made of course they were they were banned from being on Earth or being in the city. I'm not really even sure. I need to kind of look into that more. This band they weren't supposed to be where they were, or they're only supposed to be off-world. Like, what the deal was with the Nexus, the Nexus Six models, or the the replicants? Where were they supposed to be? Um, so yeah, the, I I have a lot of questions about that, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, and those those are only questions that are coming up right now. They're not like, oh, I, I've never thought about them until right now. But if they're going to widen the scope you know, is going to be set in Los Angeles again? Um, what kind of things are they going to talk about? Will they talk about replicant production? Um, will re- replicant production have stopped, you know? So, well, yeah.
1: We also have to consider that in the story and in real life, you know, obviously a lot of time is going to have to pass. So I think some of the story is going to have to focus on what happened after the events of Blade Runner, like how, the Terrell Corporation went onwards, or if it failed, that kind of thing. What happened to Deckard? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, it, I mean, in the time between Blade Runner and the sequel, I mean, it depends on which canon you look at, but I mean, there's like four books. There's like four sequel novels.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and that kind of thing.
0: I bet money, big money, that uh, the people who wrote the script for this Blade Runner sequel didn't even that they didn't even consider the novels as canon. It's going to be something completely separate from that. It's going to go off. It's probably going to erase most of what those novels... I mean, I I don't... You know, who knows? Just to keep it
1: consistent, probably.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, because most people don't even know about them. I've been a fan of Blade Runner for a few years now, and I didn't even know the novels were a thing until we started the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Somebody mentioned them to me, so...
0: Yeah. It's a lot to... Oh, I just, I, I, I love discussing sci-fi. I love uh, its effects on um, how those questions continue to linger. I mean, even, like we said, as much as, you know, I do, I don't know, I do still have, I have pondering questions from Prometheus still, because I think it was successful in, in some ways in terms of it opening up something wider and questioning, like, well, who are we and where do we come from? Um, right. But uh, and I think really good sci-fi asks those questions. Now, I don't think Prometheus is really good sci-fi, but I think it had some elements of good sci-fi in it. Uh, right. Absolutely. Um, but I, you know, I'm i going to be addressing kind of the last word on Prometheus in, in, a, in a piece I'm going to be writing probably through Sci-Fied. Um, and it's not going to be a negative piece about Prometheus, but just really comparing and contrasting Prometheus with Alien and the differences in the film. Um, and might explain why people have issue with Prometheus, grave issue with it, Um, but not disparaging it at all. Um, But yeah, that'll be coming hopefully in the next week or so. I'm taking a vacation uh, for about a week, starting next week, Um, but yeah. Uh, So yeah, there'll there'll be some more things coming down the line. Hopefully we'll see some things for Covenant coming soon. We're less than a year. Um, Maybe we'll see. Let's see. So August 17th, was the is the release date for Covenant? So we're about eleven months out,
1: and I'm I'm very confident it's it's going to be all downhill from here, <laughs> or uphill maybe in a good ah, sense. I've I've never figured out which way to say that phrase, so what Yeah, it's a weird phrase, but what I mean to say is I I have confidence that. It'll only get better as time goes on.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Um, well, uh, I can't really th- – I don't really have too much more on my mind. Um, no, hopefully
1: we'll probably besides to- food.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> a fat tie with my name on it at a restaurant waiting for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be coming back. Uh, it is a little drier right now in terms of news, but I'm sure – Hopefully in the next week or so, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing some stuff. We'll probably be seeing the first kind of ads in the next week or so. I just have that feeling. The first official poster maybe. Maybe Um, even
1: uh, their own little Facebook page. Because Prometheus has their own page. It's not linked to the anthology. They do.
0: Alien has its own page. So there is an Alien Covenant page, but it's not official. So I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't know if it's going to be – but I'm sure that's going to be revealing itself very very soon but th- this is an exciting time for everyone uh, there's a lot to look forward to there's so much coming out we did discuss Arrival which is a science fiction film coming out in November really great reviews about it really 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 awesome reviews so
1: that's all I- it, it, pre- it premiered at Con, didn't it? it
0: did and the Venice Film Festival premiered at and a couple other places rave reviews from every place from everyone
1: nice yep so I'm excited I'd say that's yep. a wrap
0: Okay, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Hopefully we'll bring you some more bigger news soon.
1: Thanks again for supporting us, everybody. Woo! With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley,
0: last survivor of the Nostromo, signing off.